It's my great pleasure to say that our first storyteller is a scientist with a not-so-secret past in fashion and art. She's now doing a PhD in ecology, and she's researching how severe fires affect us. Please welcome Hannah Etchells to the stage. Thank you so much. Oh, look, I'll just try and do it like this. Cool. Hi, everyone. Um, it is a real honour to go first, especially for the first laboratory environment, is being more aware of it, of how its quality relates directly to the quality of human life and pursuing that awareness to ask questions of both scientists and decision makers. That's a quote from Dr. Max Day, who is the hero that I'm going to talk about today. Max was born in 1915, making him, when he passed away, Australia's oldest scientist. So he studied science in Sydney at Sydney University, um, and then he travelled to the US, to Harvard, to undertake his PhD. So back in the day, this was sort of in the 30s, um, that meant that coming from Sydney, he had to travel all the way over to Perth via train and then get on a boat and travel over months to the US. While he was travelling, he sort of came across the Nullarbor and at that point in time, there was a train line that ran along sort of the south coast. So I don't know if you guys have been down to the south coast before, um, but there was a train line that ran from Denmark to Nonalup. So Nonalup is a very small town on the south coast. Um, and it's actually the area where my field sites are. So I'm a fire ecologist, um, as was mentioned earlier, and I'm studying how catastrophic wildfires affect um, some of the tallest trees in the entire world. And those trees are carry, and they only grow here in the southwest. So Max Day came across on this train, and he arrived in this town called Nonalup. And in his sort of journal entries and things that he was writing about, he actually wrote a letter back to his fiancée at the time, being like, I am in one of the most beautiful places in the world. Um, it's this sort of serene, pristine environment, and I think that when we get married, we should, we should have our honeymoon here. Um, and as soon as I sort of... I started, I started reading about Max Day a while ago, and as soon as I read that, I just felt this great affinity with him, because I actually got married in Nornalup myself, because it is the place that I like most in the entire world, and it is a place of extreme beauty and um, extreme pristine environment. And I think that through sort of growing up down there and holidaying down there a lot and then eventually getting married there, all of these things um, for me um, have been the reason why I ended up studying ecology. So when I read that, that Max had had a sort of a similar experience there, it really connected with me and made me really interested in him as a person. Um, and then I went on to find out all the amazing things that he's contributed to um, Australian ecology. So. After he did his PhD at Harvard, he came back to um, Eastern Australia and he was the first chief of forest research, um, which is obviously also very relevant to my interests. He was also one of the first fellows of the Australian Academy of Science um, and he was the first ecologist or environmental scientist to be on the Australian Academy of Science and he helped really push that agenda. So before that, um, the Academy was mostly, you know, sort of chemists, physicists, um, medical scientists, but he really pushed this um, environmental focus, which obviously has laid the groundwork for um, all of the ecologists in Australia today. So during the 50s, while he was um, working as the chief of forest research and was also on this academy, one of the biggest conservation problems all across Australia was rabbits. 
So rabbits have been introduced from Europe um, along with foxes and cats. But so foxes and cats obviously predating our native wildlife, but rabbits are making things difficult, were making things difficult in the 50s in other ways. So they were reproducing out of control. They'd spread across the whole continent and they were um, taking resources away, destroying the environment that native animals were using. So one of the most famous native animals that they were um, causing the decline of is the bilby, which you guys might be familiar with. So something had to be done about these rabbits and, and Max really wanted this to happen, but his background had been in entomology and was an entomology. So he re researched insects and didn't really, you know, it, you know compared to most of the um, mammologists and people studying mammals at the time, didn't know a lot about rabbits. But he was approached by a virologist, so someone who studies viruses, called Dr. Frank Fenner. And Frank Fenner was interested in this virus called myxomatosis. And those of you who are from Western Australia, well, from Australia, will know that myxomatosis um, is the virus that is transmitted um, to rabbits that, you know, basically kills them, but is, is something that could be used potentially. They saw this um, potential in the 50s. They saw it as a, a biotic control. But Frank Fenner didn't know how this virus was spread. He knew it might be a mosquito, but he didn't really know which mosquito or how it was actually transmitted. So he enlisted the help of Max Day. So even though Max Day was an entomologist, he contributed greatly to conservation across Australia by finding out which species of mosquito it was that was transmitting the virus and enabling it to be isolated so that then it could be used to infect rabbits across Australia and control our rabbit problem. Of course, these days, um, the rabbits have evolved resistance to this virus, so we have other ways of dealing with them. But in the 50s and 60s, it was the primary way that we managed to decrease the number of rabbits across Australia and help conserve our native ecosystems. I think one of the things that I like most about Max when I, you know, in my reading of him is that he was a really fantastic science communicator. He always was very passionate about making sure that science, scientists of the future, so he said this in 1980, he said he'd like to think that scientists of the future could also think broadly and put their specialisation into broader context and communicate it to non-scientists. And that's something that is really important to me as well. And I think, I suppose, as Australia's oldest scientist, he sort of gets the credit. He published a paper when he was 96. Um, and that was because um, in his early 90s, he has, had been retired for a number of years but he approached researchers um, who he had previously worked with for many years at CSIRO because he wanted to undertake a project. So he's from Eastern Australia, and uh, I don't know whether you guys are familiar with scribbly gums, but they're eucalypt trees that have a bark that um, looks like someone scribbled all over them, so they're quite famous from May Gibbs stories and, and, and things like that. Um, he wanted to know what made the scribbles. So... <laughs> So this is a 90-something-year-old 90 man who was like, I want to know what makes the scribbles. And there'd sort of been guesses, right, that the scribbles were made by various insects. But no one really knew. And so he went to the researchers at CSIRO and he was like, I want this as a project. And these researchers were like, great. I mean, we would be nervous to give this to a honours or a PhD student because we don't know when this project could end. Like, this could go on forever. We have no idea what's making these scribbles. It's basically a wild goose chase. Um, you're a 92-year-old man. Go for it. <laughs> Um, and he did. And he co-authored a paper when he was 96 years old and described 11 new species of moth. 
And so it's actually the caterpillars of these moths that, are, that were making the patterns in the scribbly gum. And so yeah, he achieved that at 96, which is incredible. If I could get to 96 and be publishing papers, that would be amazing. But also be someone who's so, still stayed so sort of insatiably curious and passionate about science. So on July 31st, 2017, which is two weeks ago, Max passed away. He was 101. So I wanted to end with a quote that he did on his 100th birthday. And this was, someone asked him, what would you say to scientists of the future? And so I was listening intently. I was like, what is Max going to say to me? <laughs> so Max says, go for it. The world is still your oyster. There's still everything to do. Australia is such an unusual part of the world because practically everything you look at is worth doing and it hasn't been done. And to a biologist, at least, it's terribly exciting. So, thank you. <laughs>